Imagine with me for a moment a church. This is not a church in the singular, on its own and distinct, but a church in the plural, united across a nation, joined in purpose, focused on building up God's kingdom one life at a time. It is a church that has at the heart of its DNA the grand narrative of the redemptive story of Jesus Christ, and that celebrates in the freedom and grace that such a story brings. This church is not constricted by the walls of a building, but actively engaged in the community it is planted in, desiring for God's kingdom to take root and bear fruit in local soil. A church that sees salvation as holistic, transforming God's people for God's work and equipping a generation to represent God's heart to the poor, the weak, the oppressed and the persecuted. Imagine this church committed to seeing the family as integral to all that it's called to be and do, involving intentional, committed and authentic relationships across all levels. It is the sort of place where both the young and the old feel cared for, supported and equipped. A church where people of all backgrounds and traditions come to feel at home, a cultural mosaic that honors and embraces a richness in diversity that marks us as the body of Christ. It is a church that is willing to innovate and express faith creatively, reflecting the boundless limits of God's creativity as glory to Him. A place where people gather hungry for the presence of God and passionate to see this invade all aspects of their lives. Where they seek to develop an intelligent spiritual faith rooted in God's word and driven with prayer. A church that does not make its Sunday services the exclamation mark of its existence, but instead the comma in its ongoing sentence. A time of service, love and engagement that inspires and emboldens all equally for the conversation that lies ahead. A church that cares, disciples, rebuilds, renews. This is our city. This is our church. This is our home. All right, and good morning, everybody. Yay, welcome to our 11... AM service. My name's Ellison, one of the pastors here. So glad to welcome you this morning. We want to welcome you if you're joining us online as well. Thank you for joining us online and especially welcome those who are joining us for the very first time. So if this is your first time here at The Vine, uh, you've never been to a service here before, could you just let us know who you are by waving your hands? Okay, some friends, new friends at the back. Welcome. Thank you. Friends here too. All right. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so glad you are here, and we hope that you'll find a place of connection, find a place to meet some people as you get to know the community a little bit. Um, well, like one way to get to know the community is, of course, through our community groups. Now, um, earlier this week, we had our community groups um, taster, where about 60 people got together, and we had a wonderful time of getting to know each other. And the aim of the evening was to connect each other into community groups. And as a result, six new community groups have actually begun meeting after the community groups taster. Right, yeah, that's amazing news. That's really good. 
That's our heart, really, to get you guys connected into community with each other. So if you're still interested in joining a community group, it's not too late. Come and uh, find us or one of our community groups team at the Connect Hub outside. You can uh, speak to someone after the service, and they will love to connect you with a good group. Um, another group that meets each and every Sunday is our K4C community. Isn't that right, Isaiah? Oh, wow, okay. So this is my son, Isaiah, and Isaiah is one of our most active members of the K4C community. Now, K4C stands for... Okay, we can stop jumping now, is he? Okay. K4C stands for Kids for Christ. Each and every Sunday, they are teachers and volunteers downstairs, um, led by our wonderful children's pastor, Pastor Elizabeth and her team, and Byron, and with Dewi. And they do an amazing job of coming up together with programs, with um, Bible verses, with activities to engage our kids, to teach them about Jesus. Okay, it's not just all fun and games, right? Is he, who is this on the picture? Can you show us? Who's that? Jonah. Oh, and what, what did Jonah do? I don't know. Oh, no, okay. <laughs> Well, he knew at least Jonah, right? So, okay. <laughs> like I said, each and every week, we have teachers with big hearts dedicated to looking after our kids downstairs. Now, K4C has grown tremendously recently. Um, we had over 200 kids each week joining us at K4C, which means we really need you guys to help out. We really need people who are passionate about children, that's right, okay? We need people who are passionate about telling children about who Jesus is, leading them in fun and games and songs, um, guiding them in their spiritual growth. So if that is you, if you want to hang out with kids like Isaiah, um, and we have kids all the way from um, kindergarten, from the creche, all the way up to our preteens, 11 and 12-year-olds um, that need your guidance. Um, so there will be a group of our K4C team outside in the auditorium. Um, if you want to help out with K4C, we would love for you to connect with them. Let them know who you are, and they will tell you a bit more about how we can serve this community. Okay, can you sit down now? Okay, go sit with Uncle Promise, please, okay? Yeah, go sit with Promise. So that's K4C. Uh, we need your help. We need your volunteering. Uh, this is a great ministry, a big part of our church, an ever-growing part of our church that we would love to see you serve in. All right, I think that's the main thrust of our uh, announcements today. I'm going to invite you to stand as we begin to worship together. Part of our worship, of course, is done through our giving, our tithes, and our offering. And so on the screen, as always, you'll see a number of different ways we can give towards what God's doing in this church. You know, God is doing a lot of different things. Um, each and every week, there's community groups meeting, K4C, um, missions teams that are going out doing different things, um, but it all takes resources, and it takes the church coming together to trying to do what the, God has called us to do as a church. And so, um, okay. um, on the screen, there's a different number of ways to give. We would love for you to continue to worship God through your tithes and your offerings. Thank you for that, church. Now, as you can see, you know, we are a lively church and things happen here all the time. Things have been happening in our city, right? We've been having storm after storm and rain after rain. Even just yesterday, I saw some, one of my, our friends' houses was flooded suddenly by the, by the rain coming through. And it might seem like we're a bit weary and a bit tired from all these things. And it might not just even be the weather, right? Maybe in your own lives as well, you've been going through storms and you've been going through tough times. And it feels like you just need to catch a break. 
It feels like, you know, like today the sun's come out, right? You, you're, you're asking God, where is this sunshine in my life? Where is that break that I need? Where is the relief that I'm seeking? Where is the help that God has promised me? But as we step into this time of worship, as we about to listen to the message, I want us just to put our hearts in a posture of faith. Put our hearts where we're going to say, actually, you know, despite of what's been going on, I'm going to choose faith right now. I'm going to choose to engage with God. I'm going to choose to open up my heart, open up my ears to hear what He has to say to me. And if we do that, I promise you, God promises you that He'll meet you where you are and that He'll hear you and that He's here to speak to you today as well. So church, pray with me as we begin to step into this time of worship together. And as we pray, I'm going to remind us of what the Lord says through His Scripture. What then shall we say in response to these things, these sufferings? If God is for us, church, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? And then He goes on to say this, despite of these things that happen, no, in all these things, church, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus, we thank You for this love. We thank You that You are here for us no matter what happens in life. And no matter what's going to happen in life, you will continue to be there for us. Your steadfastness lasts forever. And so, Jesus, we choose to worship you this morning. We choose to give all our burdens over to you. We choose to give all our blessings over to you and say, Lord, we are here to hear from you and you alone. We're here to worship you and you alone. We're here to be filled with your love so that the other people around us can see what it is that motivates us to live our lives. So Jesus, be with us now. We know you are with us. Thank you for being with us. Be honored by the worship of your name today. Be honored by these songs, by our praises, by our voices. We choose to worship you, Jesus. Help us to worship you, Lord. In your beautiful name we pray. Amen. So come on, church. Let's turn our hearts, turn our minds, and let's worship Jesus together.
with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs. In every fear I lay at your feet I'll sing through the night Oh God, the battle belongs If you are for me Who can be against me? There is nothing in your for Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. Yeah, yeah. 
us clean and we turn our eyes to Any 
amongst your people. We speak faith into this room. We speak faith into this room. Where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom. He is freeing us all this morning. We speak faith into this room. Whether you have money, whether you have what you need, whether you feel like you're worthy, whether you feel like you couldn't be more unworthy, whether you've been sinning a lot this week, whether you feel far from God, it's still an invitation to come. Just just take the step. Come closer to him. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. I love that God says it doesn't matter what you can afford. It doesn't matter what it looks like doesn't matter what you've done, who you've been, you're invited. It's an invitation to us to come into his presence, to come to the well that does not run dry, a water that he will give you that you will never thirst again. He can actually be a fulfillment of every desire we have. So I don't know what it looks like for every single person to come to him, but let's take one more minute around this. We won't sing, we'll just give you a chance. We take a minute and pray and ask him, God, how do I come to you? What does it look like for me? What do I need to surrender? What do I need to let go of? What preconceived ideas are you having me release? What doubt do you want to speak faith into? What lie do you want to speak truth into? What, what, what wound do you want to bring your healing into? Whether you have, whether you don't have, 
come to the river. Come and see how he makes you new. Take your minute. Talk with Jesus.
give him a shout. You know who the Lord is. Give him a shout. He is the one that's going to sustain you. He is the one that's been with you from day one until right now. Give the Lord a shout, church. And praise his name together. Let's praise his name, church. Come on, with everything you've got. If you know who the Lord is, let's give him a shout of praise this morning. He's been with you all the way through and he'll continue to be with you till the very end. Come on, church.
morning there's such a, a special sense of the faith of God in the house, his faith with us. And uh, as, I was, as we were worshiping, I just felt very emotional for us because God's got so much for you. God's got so much for you. He loves you guys so, so much. You know, we've been in this Exodus series for a long time, but it's because we really believe in your freedom. As a leadership here at the church, we really, really long really long for your freedom and God loves you so much man and he is present here in this moment in this atmosphere of faith because some of you are facing obstacles and challenges in your life right now many of us to be honest many of us are facing things that seem insurmountable to us challenges that are before us and God is wanting to stir some faith in the house today, stir some faith in your heart today, stir some faith in the church today for a good future that is ahead of us, even though the current moment might be difficult. And so if you're in a position or a situation where there seems to be an obstacle right now, where it's a challenge in your workplace, whether it's a challenge in your family, a challenge in relationships, it might be a financial challenge, a burden, maybe you're looking for work and you, you can't find work, or it might be a whole multitude of different things. But if you're in a place of a challenge right now, I want to encourage you just to open your hands. I want to speak some prayer and life and hope in you. And as you open your hands, what you're saying to the Lord is, God, I bring this thing to you. Maybe just even in your heart and in your mind, just picture, Lord, this obstacle, this thing that is in my way, this thing that I can't seem to break off me, this thing that seems to be overwhelming me. I can't get through it, Lord. I bring this thing to you right now. Father, we come as a collective community. Father, we come as a collective community now on behalf of our brothers and sisters in this room and those that are watching online right now. And Lord, we bring... We bring the thing that seems to be blocking our way, the thing that seems to be telling us that there is no way. And Lord, we know that you are the Alpha and the Omega. You are in front of us and you are behind us. You surround us just like we've been singing, Lord. And I believe that no one here in this moment, whether in this room or online, no one is outside of the freedom that God has for them. God has such breakthrough for you. And Lord, we stand before the obstacles that are in front of us, Lord. And we say, Father, would you do your will? Would you do your way? Would you make a way, Lord, where there seems to not be a way right now, Lord? Would you part some things, change some things, do some things, Lord? Would you move in a way that I've never seen you move before, Lord? It may have been always like this, but I believe the future is different from my past. I believe that God is for me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Lord, we pray and we lean in and we have faith, Lord, that you're going to change and shape and move in ways that only you can. And so we come with expectation as we open your word. Lord, we don't take your word lightly, Lord. And we know that your word has something for each one of us today. Whatever it is that you're facing, whatever it is that you're going through, God's word is for you today. My prayer is that you would open your heart to hear you know, Jesus would say, those that would have ears, let them hear. My, my prayer is that your heart would have ears today to hear the thing that he wants to say to you personally. It'll be different for every person in this room, but God has something personal that he wants to communicate to you in this moment. And so, Lord, we open our hearts as we open the word. 
And Lord, we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, Lord says, amen. Hey, before we do anything, before you sit down, before you sit down, I want to lean into this sense of faith a little bit more. Uh, today's an exciting day in the history of the Vine. Uh, we're having our first formal services in Yulong, uh, in the new location that you guys have given so faithfully towards. Um, Pastor Ivan and Pastor Tim, uh, the Kennedy service started at 9.30. That's already done. Uh, the English service is happening right now. Uh, they're gathering there for the first time in their new building. Uh, we went in on Wednesday night, a group of us, and we prayed uh, and dedicated that space. It's happening right now. Um, and let's pray in faith that God will do something that only God can do uh, through that new community, that new church that's planted there. So uh, would you pray with me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for, for what you're doing in the life of uh, Yunlong and, and all the things that are on your heart for the people of Yunlong. And Lord, you called the vine to, to plant a church there to uh, express something of your gospel, of justice, of hope and life uh, there. And Father, as they're gathering in Hoshan Lee building uh, for the first time, their permanent home after all the renovations and all the fundraising that we've done, they're, they're literally breaking ground. They're there right now. Father, we want to pray that you would release a spirit of anointing upon that community. Uh, Father, we pray that you would bring salvations in the house today. Uh, Lord, we pray that people that don't don't know you would come into this church and discover a God who has set them free. Uh, Lord, we pray that everything we've been talking about here in the Exodus series would overflow, uh, Lord, into the life of that community and that they would lean forward towards society around them with the hope of the gospel. Lord, we pray for Tim and Ivan as they lead that community. Uh, we ask that you would fill them with your power. And Lord, we pray you would speak to them in ways that they've never experienced before, that you would give them an extra anointing, Lord, for the new season that they're in. In. And Father, we stand uh, with this community. They're a part of us. It is our expression here in the city. So we fan into flame everything that you're doing uh, in that space. And we are looking forward to hearing the testimonies uh, of the goodness of God uh, in the land of the living. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone says amen. Hey, can we thank the worship team? They're gone. They're gone. All right, have a seat. Have a seat. Hey, um... If I was to ask you uh, this morning, what is the, the most spiritual act that a Christian can engage in? I wonder what you would say. What is the most spiritual act that a Christian can engage in? I wonder what would be on your heart for that. I mean, some of you in here would probably say prayer. Prayer is the most Christian thing that we can do. We, when we pray, we're connecting ourselves to God and we're allowing God to speak to us. Prayer is the most spiritual act a Christian can do. Some of you here might say worship. I mean, we just had a phenomenal worship experience here uh, within our community in this moment. Maybe for you, worship is the, the most spiritual thing that you think you can do. For some of you here, it might be reading the Bible. Maybe it's your daily devotions. That's the place where you feel like you're most spiritually connected to God. For some of you, maybe it's coming to church. For a lot of you, I hope, it's coming to church where you think that that is something that's spiritual. The most spiritual thing you could do is gather together with people on a Sunday in a, in a room like this or in a small community, a community group somewhere in the city and believe that God is going to do things. Maybe that is the most spiritual thing. All of those things are absolutely spiritual and all of those things are incredibly valuable. But I want you to notice something. Every single one of those things is dependent on one other thing first. All of those things, as spiritual and as great as they are, are actually dependent on one other thing that not only defines those things, but drives those things forward in your life, and that is the power of choice. You have to choose to do those things. 
You have to choose to pray. You have to choose to open your Bible and read the Word. You have to choose to come to church. Hopefully, you chose to come to church. Hopefully, nobody forced you to come to church today. Hopefully, you chose to be here. We have to choose to do those things. And here's the thing. If we don't choose them, if we're forced to do them, then we're in slavery and not in freedom. Are you with me? In fact, the very definition of slavery is that choice is taken away from you. The very definition of freedom is that you have the freedom to choose. And last week, as we unpacked the idea that that God had finally set Israel free, that Pharaoh had finally allowed uh, Israel to move into their freedom, we saw that the very first thing that they were challenged with was to make a choice. They had to make the choice whether they were going to move into their freedom, leaving Pharaoh and Egypt behind them, or whether they were going to move into their freedom, carrying the pain and the hurt and the travesty of the oppression that had happened for them for over 200 years. And God challenges them, doesn't he? He says, will you bless Pharaoh? Will you let go of the very one who has caused you so much pain so that you can walk into your freedom, into your future facing forwards? I said last week that so often for many of us, when we're hold to the hurt and the pain of our past, it's like we're walking into our future facing backwards. We're, we're allowing the hurt and the pain of our past to be the primary thing that defines our present and moves us forward into our future. And we saw last week that there was a tool that God gives us to release the pain of our past so that we can move into our future, not looking back to the past, but embracing the future. And that is the power of choice, the choice to forgive, the choice to open our hearts and forgive and to bless the ones who have hurt us and done these things to us so that we might be free, free from the pain, free from the hurt, free from anything that would try to hold us back from the good future that we have. You see, your ability to choose, to choose the future over your past, to choose faith over fear will be the primary defining ground of whether you will experience great freedom in your life or whether you will remain in slavery. The most spiritual thing you can do is to choose God, to choose to worship, to choose to honor, to choose to open your heart, to choose to create your future rather than be consumed by your past. And here's the amazing thing. Pretty much every moment Every story of great faith in the Bible is a story and a moment that emerges out of the epic intersection in life where God has driven his people to a point of decision. So many of the great stories in our scriptures of faith, where men and women show great faith, it's because God has put them in a place where they have to make a decision. Will we go forward? Decide for yourself today who you will serve. Will you serve God or will you serve something else? But you've got to make that decision today. Decide to move into your future facing forwards or decide to carry on with the hurt and the past of your past. It's a choice to have faith or to walk in fear. And it is exactly exactly what the narrative of the parting of the Red Sea is all about. Your ability to choose is the most spiritual activity you will ever do. And as God has freed Israel from their slavery, Israel is now in a new season. Israel is now in a season where no longer are choices being made for them. 
And they now have to take responsibility for their own lives. They have the grand responsibility to walk out into their freedom with hope and with desire. The the freedom to choose whether they'll serve God or not. And in this freedom, God realizes that after 200 years of slavery, their choice muscles, their spiritual activity of choosing is weak. They understand that they've, they've had all their choices stripped away from them for so long that now that they're free, it's easy for them to be overwhelmed with the reality of the choices that are in front of them. And God understands that they don't have the strength right now to be able to make the choices that they need to make to walk in the freedom that God has for them. And so what, what God does right in the early part of Pharaoh releasing Israel into their new freedom journey, what God does is he leads them into a number of places where he brings them to a point of decision. Because he wants to strengthen that muscle in them. He, he, he wants them. It, it's almost as if he creates a training ground, like a boot camp for them, every step of the way, early on in their walk of freedom. Because he wants to strengthen within them their desire to say, we are always going to choose God. We're going to choose faith. We're going to choose hope. No matter how hard something looks, that's what we're going to do. And God actually directs his people into places where fear is going to be a reality for them where they're going to have to decide, are they going to respond in fear or respond in faith? And you need to know that in every aspect of freedom that God has for you, there's always going to be the potentiality for you to choose fear, for you to choose to return to slavery, for you to choose to hold on to that past. And so the most spiritual activity you will ever do is choose faith. And I want to show you how God brings his people into situations that will strengthen this muscle of choosing faith. Is this okay so far? Everybody all right? Exodus 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them, notice this, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, even though that was shorter. I love this. God was like, okay, you're free now. And as the crow flies, you should go on this path because it'll get you to the fullness of your freedom quickest, but I'm not going to lead you down that path. He doesn't choose to take them to the place that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for the battle. I want you to see what God's doing here. He understands that that the Israelites actually need to strengthen their choice muscles. That is very weak right now. And so rather than take them in the direct line, the shortest route, the easiest route that would take them through the Philistine country, he actually then leads them on the desert road, a circular route that's actually, and we'll see this in a moment, is going to lead them to a place where they get trapped. Lead them to a place where they're going to have the Red Sea in front of them, And behind them, there are going to be mountains and a flat plain. And on those mountains, they're going to see the Egyptian armies rushing after them to kill them. And they're going to feel trapped. And they're going to feel fear. And before any of that happens, scriptures tell us that God leads them to that point. He leads them to that point because he knows it's there that they're going to be able to make a choice. And that choice is going to so strengthen them for all the journey and all the battle that is ahead. He actually says that if they face war, they might change their minds. Their minds are weak right now. 
And if they face war, they might change their minds and go back to Egypt. I need to bring them to a place where they're going to be scared, a place where they're going to face fear, a place where they think they're going to die because I'm going to lay before them a choice. And if they can choose faith over fear in that moment, it's going to so strengthen them that they're going to be able to walk strongly towards Mount Sinai, strongly to the promised land. And they're going to be able to do all the things that I have for them to do in the future. Are you following this? This is really important. Because God is committed to you being free more than he's committed to you being comfortable. Well, nobody wants me to preach on that one. God is committed to you being free more than he's committed to you being comfortable. And and he recognizes that sometimes in order to get you fully free, he needs to strengthen your decision muscles, your choice muscles. And that means you're going to be put into a place where you're going to have to make a decision yourself, whether you're going to respond in fear or respond in faith. And God moves us in life sometimes towards things like a Red Sea in order to help us to understand that before we can get to the promised land, we have to actually face this thing right in front of us. See, this is the thing I love about God. God has all of your life in his mind, all of your life in his hands. He sees your future, and he sees the battles that are ahead of you on the path that you are yet to walk on. He sees all that. And so right here and right now, he is preparing you, shaping you, strengthening you, helping you to be prepared as best you can for those battles that are ahead. And if he doesn't do it now, you're not going to have the fortitude, the hope, and the courage, and the bravery to really stand before the battle that's ahead. And the battle ahead is probably going to be more challenging than the one you're currently facing. And if you're anything like me, the challenge that's right ahead of you now seems totally the biggest thing you're ever going to face. And God's like, you want to go ahead into the promised land, but you're not even ready to face the Red Sea. It's so interesting. They want their freedom, uh, but they're not quite ready for the reality of what they need to strengthen. They need to strengthen their faith. Some of you here right now, you're facing an obstacle in your life. And what you think is the obstacle that God is absent from is actually the very thing he's brought you to so that you would have the strength of resilience and fortitude and courage and faith to face the other battle down the road that you're not even yet aware of. Because he cares for your freedom more than whether you're comfortable, whether you're right, whether you feel good. And he wants all those things for you too, don't hear me wrong. But the primary thing he wants is you to be so strengthened that you'll be able to experience all the freedom he has for you. Are you following me? Now, notice here what happens with Israel. I love this bit. It says at the end here, the Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. I love this. You see, Egypt is dressed for war. They're dressed for battle, but they're not ready for battle. God doesn't see them as being ready for battle. They might be dressed in all the right things. They might have the armor on. They might have the sword in their hands. But God leads them away from the war because he knows that if they go there, they're going to get defeated. Their minds are not strong enough yet. And so although they're dressed for the battle, God knows they're not ready for the battle. And because they're not ready for the battle, he's going to actually move them into a place where they can actually get prepared. You you see, they think that what they need is the armor and the sword for the battle that's ahead of them. Actually, the battle that they really need to fight is the battle of choice. It's actually a battle within them. Are they going to choose faith or are they going to choose fear? That's the true battle before them. 
No amount of armor and no amount of physical sword is ever going to help them to wield the one weapon, the one sword that will truly set them free, and that's their faith in God. Some of you here right now are facing some huge battles in your life, massive obstacles that you're trying to overcome, and I want to say this. You're facing a massive battle, but you're dressed for the wrong war. You're currently dressed for the wrong battle. You're dressed for a battle that God doesn't want you to fight and not one that he's asking you to be involved in. Some of us in here were dressed with all the right arguments to prove to that colleague or that spouse or that friend or that family member that they are wrong and you are right. Some of you in here are dressed with all the right skills to overcome whatever adversity you think it is that you're facing. You're dressed with all the charm that you think you need to convince that person that you're dating to marry you for the rest of your life. And you're dressed for the wrong battle. Because your battle is not external to you. It is not outside of you. Your battle ultimately is in your heart. Your battle is what's inside here. It's, it's the decision-making powerhouse that you have. Your battle is whether you're going to respond in faith and trust God with your life, not whether you have all the right arguments to defeat the person that's against you. It's whether you really trust that God has you, has you in his hands, wants the best for you, whether you can trust that no matter how difficult that thing is at work, God has got you, he protects you, he will help you, he will walk with you, and he'll fight battles for you. That's the battle for you. And the one that he wants you dressed for is not the external one with swords, but the internal one with humility and courage and bravery and faith. That's the battle. That's the battle that was ahead for Israel. That's the battle that's ahead for you. Will you choose him when everything around you would tell you you're an idiot if you do it? This is exactly what the parting of the Red Sea is all about. This is what is on God's heart for his people. And I want you to, I want you to understand the movement of the human heart that God is trying to do through this incredible miracle. And to help you with that, I want to take you back to Egypt, and I want to take you to the actual place where we believe the miracle happened. Let's have a look at this. Israel's journey had begun. Finally released by Pharaoh, God leads Israel by the desert road towards the Red Sea. You can imagine a mixture of excitement and trepidation as they begin those first few steps. God has performed a, a series of miracles to get Israel to this point, and their faith and expectancy in God would have been very high. And yet they were also launching out into the unknown, with many uncertainties facing them. Like the mountains that now rose up around them, and the desert valleys that now surrounded them, they no doubt expected to encounter great highs and great lows in their journey with God as he has released them from their captivity. They just didn't know that those highs and lows would happen so quickly. The Bible tells us that some 600,000 men and women, aside from children, set out for the Promised Land. In fact, biblical scholars would say that the total number of God's people at the start of the Exodus was around about a million. Could you imagine a million people walking through valleys just like the one behind me? And they were heading in the direction of a place that in the Hebrew was called Yom Suf, which literally translates as the Sea of the Reeds. And in what is perhaps one of the most famous misinterpretations in all of history, the writers of the first Greek Old Testament in Alexandria in about the third century BC translated that phrase as the Red Sea, the name that we now commonly refer to it. 
No one knows exactly where the crossing actually took place, but a number of sites have been suggested based on the closest biblical analysis of the text and the corresponding Egyptian geographical landmarks. We know from Exodus 14 that the Israelites had just come through a system of narrow mountains and valleys that then had opened up into a large plain on the shore just before a big sea. We also know that the crossing point itself had to be shallow enough for the Israelites to be able to walk through once God had parted the waters and smooth enough for the Egyptian chariots to attempt to follow. All of which is why I've come here to a place called Nuweiba Beach on the Sinai Peninsula. The mountains and valleys behind me here, this massive flat plain all around me, and the relatively shallow waters of the sea just over there all point to this as a possible location for the greatest miracle in our Exodus story itself, the parting of the Red Sea. But did it really happen? I mean, is the parting of the Red Sea just mythology? Or is there any actual archaeological evidence that it took place? Well, as I've been saying throughout this series, there's very little archaeological evidence in Egypt of the actual Exodus events. But the parting of the Red Sea is one miracle that keeps on giving, because it is one of the very few things in the Exodus story that actually is recorded for us in Egyptian history. And to show us that, I now need to take us back across the Sinai Peninsula to a place called Ismailia on the port of the Suez Canal and to an archaeological evidence that is unlike any other in this land. This is the El Irish Stone. It's a, it's a slab of black granite that weighs about two tons and was discovered on a farm in El Arish in 1887. Now, when it was actually found, it was lying on its side being used as a water trough for cattle, but it's actually a family shrine. It dates to about 360 years before Christ, but what's really fascinating for us is that it's covered in thousands of inscriptions. And these inscriptions actually tell a story that's about 1,200 years earlier than when the shrine was made. Now, let me show you one particular inscription. It's found here at the back. Right here, what you'll see is three waves and two daggers or swords, three waves and two swords. Now, Egyptologists are somewhat confused as to the best way to translate this, but a literal way seems the smartest. In other words, it's the cutting of the sea, the cutting of the sea. Now, also included here is an Egyptian name for a place. It's uh, Pechati in the Egyptian, but it's actually in the Hebrew, Pihachoreth. And that's actually the very place where Israel camped before God parted the Red Sea. So what really fascinates me is that this is so rare in all of antiquities because this is the cutting of the sea shown from an Egyptian perspective. The only thing we have in existence where we have a commentary on the Exodus from the perspective of Pharaoh, which actually makes this stone a miracle of a miracle. It actually fascinates me that we have both Jewish and Egyptian sources for the parting of the Red Sea. But for me, a question still remains. What exactly was God trying to teach his people through this miracle? Well, to find an answer for that, I wanna take us back now to the waters of the Red Sea itself. 
I haven't actually tried to part these waters just yet, but, but being here and standing in this place is actually really emotional for me. I mean, this may well be the very place that Moses stretched out his hands and the waters parted and they crossed to the mountains that are over here on the other side. But there's another emotion that was there for Israel on that day. I mean, prior to Moses stretching out his hands, they felt incredibly trapped in this place. They had just gathered here and they'd come up against the waters and, and they knew that the Egyptians were chasing after them. In, in fact, as I stand here with the waters behind me, I look back to the mountains just over there. I can picture what it would have been like to have 600 Egyptian chariots coming down those mountains, coming through the valleys, chasing towards them. They would have felt hemmed in and, and that anxiety and fear would have been such a, a critical part of that moment. In, in fact, it was so strong that they come to Moses and they complain bitterly to him. They say, why are we going to come to die on the beach here? We should have stayed in Egypt if we were going to die. And so despite the, the natural beauty of this place, actually the geography here just communicated to them death. What we need to remember here is that none of this was a surprise to God. In fact, in Exodus 14, we see that God hardens Pharaoh's heart. God hardens his heart so that he would drive after the Israelites, chase them to this very place. I mean, God wanted Israel to be here, to feel trapped, to feel that fear inside them, to know that it would be impossible for them to go forward unless God stepped in and did a miracle. And he wanted this because his desire was to expose the content of their hearts. He was kind of leaning into his people and saying, what's really actually inside of you? And this teaches us a critical thing here in the Exodus story. You see, the Exodus is not actually so much about a physical movement from one place to the next, but a different kind of movement. The movement that actually happens in the human heart. When I uh, woke up this morning and got dressed, I didn't realize I put the same pants on that I was wearing in the film on that day. The Lord works in mysterious ways. I want to I show you this movement of the human heart because it's important for you. It's important for your own movement in your story of Exodus and the freedom that God longs for you. And, and we see that movement happen in the physical movement of God's people in this story. So I want to just unpack that briefly uh, with you. Uh, verse 10 of Exodus 14 says this, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and, they were, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. So again, the story is, you've got the mountains behind them, that big flat plain you saw in the film, the waters that you saw in the film. They're up against the waters, they're looking back to the mountains, and they see the Egyptians marching after them. Notice what happens. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to this desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. This is a classic response, and you can understand why Israel responds this way. Because they think they've come to a dead end. And they've got the sea behind them. They've got the mountains in front of them. They've got the Egyptian armies. Could you imagine what it would be like? 600 chariots rushing down those valleys, rushing towards them. And all of God's people are crying out to Moses. And they're saying, this was not what we had in mind. This is not what we thought freedom was like. We thought freedom was going to be perfect. Freedom was going to be great. Oh, we wanted the promised land, but we weren't prepared for this thing right here. Why did you bring us out of our slavery to bring us to a point where we die in the desert? This doesn't make sense. 
which I think is so easy for all of us to say when we're in a journey of freedom, when we're moving from one thing to the next, and when we come up against an obstacle as big as the Red Sea, and we come up with something that seems like we can't get around it, we can't get through it, we don't know what to do with it, we think this is the end for us. And what they thought Israel was the end for them was actually the very thing that was going to provide what they needed for the journey ahead, as I've been saying. You see, so often in our journeys of freedom, we want God's outcome, but we don't want his process. And God's about to do this incredible miracle and split the sea, and they're about to walk into their freedom, and they have no idea right now. And instead, what they see is an obstacle that God sees as the process by which they're going to strengthen their muscle to decide faith. But in this moment, they decide fear. Notice actually what they say. They say quite clearly, They say, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. In other words, they've already made a choice. The first obstacle they come up against in their freedom, they make a choice. And that choice is to go backwards. That choice is to move back towards their slavery. They're like, we would rather have slavery than this situation we're in right now. We're up against this water. We're up against this trap. We feel like we're trapped in here. We don't know what to do. The choice we're going to make is we're going to go backwards because at least there's some comfort in slavery. We don't know what's ahead of us. This is really important, church, because when we're moving in the choice of faith, faith means you don't have certainty. Come on, church. I'm going to preach on this one. Faith means you don't have certainty. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen with that sea. You don't know if it's going to part. You don't know if it's going to change. You have uncertainty. That's why you have to choose faith. If you want certainty, go back to slavery. Because there you know what it's like. You know what the oppression is. You know how bad it is. And that's what Israel's saying. They're saying, I don't want the uncertainty of an unknown future. I would rather take the safety and the comfort of a bad situation, even if it's terrible for me. Let me preach on this for a second. Some of you wonder why you're still in that really bad relationship you're in. It's because you're so afraid of being lonely in your future that you are happy to accept a terrible relationship today. Some of you are wondering, why am I still in the job that I'm in when God for a long time has been calling you to something different? And perhaps it's because you're so afraid of the uncertainty of your future, whether you're going to be able to provide for your family or not, that you'd rather stay in the comfort of a job that's killing you. Come on, church. And so so here's Israel, and they're in a place of decision. God has put them in that place, ordained it for them, and it's not comfortable. It's not easy. And they are deciding out of fear to go backwards. That's the choice that they're making. They want to go backwards and, and so that's what they're saying. They're saying, we'd rather take this than that. I, I love uh, one of my favorite pastors, Erwin McManus, a uh, church called Mosaic in LA. He said it this way, and I, I love this. He says, we so often would rather accept the comfort and safety of a past that holds us captive than the mystery and uncertainty of a future that sets us free. That, my friends, is what the Exodus is all about. That's the thing that we have to try to break through the muscle that we have to choose faith over fear, to choose the uncertain and the unknown, the belief that God will be there, that he will provide, that we'll lean into that. We've got to choose that uncertain future over the comfort that comes from the brokenness of our past. And whether we will decide that will determine our freedom. And that's why God's brought them here. Now, notice what what Moses now responds with. I love this in verse 15. Moses answers the people. Do not be afraid. 
Stand firm and you will see the deliverance that the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. The the Hebrew word be still here means literally to root yourself in, to to dig yourself in. Now, this is really interesting because when, when Scripture uses this phrase, be still, we often think it's because we have too much activity. Too much desire, too much things going on. We use this a lot in Hong Kong. One of the great calls for Hong Kong is to be still and know that God is God. Because in Hong Kong, we're busy, we're active, we're always doing stuff. And sometimes God needs to come and say, chill out, rest, get to know me more. That's not what's going on here. Because Israel's not all bustling with activity, wanting to drive ahead. And God's got to go, slow down, otherwise you're going to get ahead of me. That's not what's happening here. What's happening is that Israel wants to go backwards. They want to go back to the pain of their past rather than move into the future. And because they're choosing to move backwards, Moses says, be still. Put your, put your, 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 dig yourself in. Create a resolve in you. Don't, don't go backwards. Don't go back. I know it's scary. I know it's hard, but don't be afraid. God's going to fight this battle for us. You're going to see God about to do something that you never experienced. Just all you have to do right now is choose to not move. Choose to stay where you are, even though you feel trapped, even though you feel fear, even though you think nothing is going to happen. Some of you just need to be still. Every time that you want to retreat, be still. Every time you want to give up, be still. Every time that you're allowing your slavery to be more comfortable to you than your future, which seems uncertain, be still. Do not move backwards. Are you with me? You root yourself in. You say, this is where I'm going to be. Even though it's hard, even though it's difficult, the first choice I make is I stop my heart from wanting to be tempted to go back that way. I will be still. I will be still. Some of you are on a trajectory right now that God doesn't have for you. And he's just saying, just stop. Just take a moment to be still. And you're going to make much better spiritual decisions in your life. And practical ones, emotional ones, financial ones, whatever they might be. You're going to make much better decisions in your life if you stop the panic of going backwards. Just be still. Are you with me? Now, here's the funny thing, because then God shows up and contradicts everything Moses has just done. I love this. Who knows that God sometimes shows up and contradicts everything you've just done? Okay, just me. All right. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Reach out your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea to the other side on dry ground. I I love this. So, So here's Moses going, be still. And then God shows up and goes, move on. And Israel's probably like, what do I do? Do I be still and move on? Be still and move on. What am I supposed to do? And it feels like it's contradictory, but it's not. Because it was absolutely right for Moses to arrest the backwards movement of the choice of the heart of his people by telling them to be still. But then God shows up and says, it's right for you to be still for a time, but inertia is not your permanent destiny. Inertia is right for a time, but it is not where you are to make camp. You are to move on. You are to be moving forward. You are to be moving into the future that I've got for you. So yes, you had to stop. Yes, you had to dig in. Notice, by the way, the the word for move on here in the Hebrew, it means to uproot your tent pegs. It's almost like God is saying to Israel, you've got to be ready. 
you, you had to dig in for a while, but now I want you to uproot that because I'm about to move. I'm about to do something, and you've got to get ready to go. You've got to be the one who's moving forward. You've got to be the one who's believing that you're going to take faith over fear. You're going to be the one who's going to say no to the consumption of your past and say yes to creating your future. That's got to be in your heart. So you need to undo those tent pegs, and you need to get yourself ready to move on, to move forward. It's like God is saying, take the handbrake off your life because there's a green light in front of you. Anyone here ever been in a car at a traffic light and the traffic light goes from red to green and the car in front of you doesn't move? Anyone been in that situation? (laughs) Here's the biggest truth I'll preach all day. The amount of time that it takes you to honk your horn shows how Christian you are. Preach it, preach it. Because if you're Jesus, boy, you wait. Oh, man, they must be texting somebody. It must be a really important text. I'm just going to wait. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to let them do their thing. They'll move when they're ready. Bless them. They must be having a really hard day. Just Jesus, just, I get an opportunity to pray for them. They're right in front of me right now. Lord Jesus, I want to bless that car, bless that family. If you're anything like me, you're not like Jesus. If you're anything like me, you're on that horn as quickly as you possibly can because it's green and the people are not going. God in this moment is not very Christian because it's green, but the people are not moving. And so he shows up and says, honk, courtesy honk. <laughs> you know, I'll give you a real honk later, but courtesy honk right now. It's time to move on. It's time to get going. Don't dig yourself in anymore. Uproot your tent pegs. Get ready to move. I love this because this is so important, church. God is inviting Israel to move forward into their future out of their choice of faith in him, not in a response to fear. Church, this is so important. Fear does not just drive you backwards. Fear can also drive you forwards in life. Fear can also be a very motivating factor for us to move forward in life. Fear can even motivate you to do things of God. But let me tell you, anytime you do something of God out of a place of fear, you are not going to be reaping the benefits that God has for you. We can't serve God from a place of fear. We have to serve God from a place of faith. So it is not Pharaoh who is chasing them. It is God who is inviting them. God is saying, move forward in faith. Don't move forward into that ocean because you're afraid of the people behind you. Move forward into that ocean because you've made a decision, a choice in your heart today to follow me. You have made a decision to say, you will provide. You will split the sea. You'll do something. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm going to move forward in faith because I'm choosing faith over fear. I'm going to have the thing that moves me forward in life to be faith and not fear. Notice that God asks Israel to do this before he splits the sea. Oh, it would have been easy to walk forward once the, split, the sea was split. You can imagine, like, God does this amazing miracle, right? And they're being chased by these Egyptians, and then God says, move on. They'll be like, yep, 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 yep. And, like, off they would go, like, straight away, right? They would run away. They'd be like, yeah, I'm going, man, I'm going. God's like, I haven't even done anything in the ocean yet, but you need to move on. You need to put your feet, get your feet wet before I do anything. You need to make a decision in your heart. Remember, this is all about God strengthening the heart muscles, the decision muscles, the choice muscles to take faith over fear. He's like, go. And yes, Moses is going to stretch out his hand. He's going to stretch out that staff and he's going to touch that water and it's going to do this crazy, amazing miracle. And they're going to go through and then the Egyptians are going to chase and the water's going to collapse on them. All of that is about to happen. And God says to Moses, stretch out your hand. 
and see what's about to happen. There's a partnership that God's inviting his people into. First of all, to have the decision in their hearts to move forward in faith and then to back that decision with action. Stretch out your staff and watch the obstacles part. Do you want to know today who Moses' staff is in this world? It's the church. The church is God's staff that he stretches out before all of the obstacles that are stopping people from coming to faith. And he's saying, watch the obstacles part. You, the greatest expression of your spirituality will always be your choices. And if you're going to walk into the freedom that God has for you, that he's paid the price for, that he's already released you into, our decision to choose, to choose that uncertain future when we know what the past has been like, to take that step of faith and really believe that he's going to come through, to see him. And we're not making blind faith choices. We have the scriptures. We have the spirit of God in us. We have all the times that we come together and worship. We have the testimony of God working in people's lives. We have the testimony of God working in our lives. It's not like we're walking forward blindly. We know the character of God. We see the character of God. We understand the character of God. He's spoken to us. He's filled us. He's done the work of the cross. It's not in our strength that we do this. It's in him. But we still choose. Choose to move forward in all that God is or choose to remain inert or go backwards in the fear that we hold. Some of you in this room, This is a word in season for you because you are currently moving backwards and you know it. You're returning to the things that you know you don't want to be doing. Be still today. Dig yourself in. Give yourself some time before you make a decision that might ruin you or your family. Some of you in this room, you want to move forward, but you are tempted to move forward in fear. And God would say to you, move forward in faith. Move forward in hope. Take chance of the uncertainty of your future because it is there that I will meet you. I will split the sea. That obstacle that's in front of you, I am going to move it, but you're going to have to make the choice to partner with me and stretch out your staff and believe that the waters will part. The greatest thing you'll ever do is make the spiritual choice to follow him. Have faith, vine, not fear. Amen? All right. Could you stand with me? I want to pray for you. But I wonder whether you just hold your hands open before you if you're comfortable to do so. I believe that this is an important word for many of us. And just at the start of the service, I invited us to think about our obstacles, the things that are in front of us. Now, as you stand before him with your hands open, maybe you can bring to mind once again that, that Red Sea of yours. And for those of you here where the temptation is to move backwards, maybe the fear is strong, and I understand that. Maybe the obstacle seems insurmountable. You don't know if there's going to be a way. And everything inside of you is telling you to go back. That you're at a dead end. What the Israelites thought was a dead end was actually about to become a highway. And what you're thinking is a dead end right now is a highway. And notice that God did not take Israel around the Red Sea. He took them through it. And some of you, what you think is your dead end, what you would like God to just remove from you is actually the very thing that he'll walk you through. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with me. For some of you, the call is to be still, to take the courage today to say, I will stop moving backwards. 
Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me to trust you. Help me to just be still. Give me the courage to say no. Give me the courage to stand against what my heart is trying to tell me to do, what the fear in me is trying to tell me to do. Lord, I root myself, dig myself into you. When all else seems lost, when all else seems like it's going to fail, I root and dig myself into you, Lord. And then for some of us, it's, there's a green light where you think it's red. And God is giving you that courtesy honk. And he's saying, it's time to move. Pull up your tent pegs. It was right for you to be just stable for a while, but now it's time to move. Take a step of faith and move forward, not in fear, but in faith, knowing that I'm with you, that the wind of my spirit is with you. And together, we're going to do amazing things. There's Mount Sinai ahead of you. There's my presence like you've never experienced it before ahead of you. There's the promised land that you're going to go and conquer that is ahead of you. If you could only see the victories that are ahead of you, but it's going to come through the strengthening of your heart, the strengthening of your faith. Father, come, Holy Spirit. I pray and release faith over these people in the name of Jesus. And I pray that faith would rise up in the house, that faith would would be what we are moving forward in as a community of God. Thank you, Lord, that you taught the Israelites a place of great faith. Would you teach us and show us and release in us great faith? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone says, amen. Let's worship together as we respond in great faith. Who called him each by name Will surely keep your promise to me That I will rise in your victory